0: Welcome to the Cedar and Forge Real Estate Investment Podcast. I'm the host, Shona Lepis. Follow along as we unpack and demystify real estate investment strategies through expert interviews and personal experience. From how to find off-market deals to creative financing to long-term and mid-term rentals. Our goal is to educate and inspire others to gain financial freedom and generational wealth through real estate investing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Senior Import Real Estate Investment Podcast. I am so excited and over the moon about our extra special guest, Sarah Weaver. She's an author, speaker, coach, a real estate investor and business owner. Sarah runs three businesses that serve real estate investors and agents. She pretty much does it all and lives an inspiring life by design. She travels the world and the country, coaching real estate agents and hosting epic events for investors. Talk about the dream life, right? She also just co authored the book on midterm rentals 30 day stay, published by Bigger Pockets. If you haven't already, go grab your copy of the book. It's chock full of amazing stories, advice, and case studies. Uh, So I love the midterm strategy. So Sarah, thank you again so much for taking the time. I'd love to know where you're going next in the world, how you found midterms and a little bit about your background.
1: Absolutely. So my next trip, I am flying to Guatemala I am taking 15 real estate investors. It's the most most I've had for one of my trips. And we are doing a goal-setting retreat. So starting off the year strong, I typically try to go out into the wilderness by myself for a day and write my goals. And I'm really excited to like share my wild strategy of how I manifest and how I set goals with real estate investors in Central America and Guatemala.
0: That's so cool. What a great way to start the year, right? To take that time and just be in an amazing place.
1: Thank you. It's yeah. so good to set intentions at the beginning of the year. And I, I find that a lot of people, I don't want to say this, but they set goals wrong. And so I'm excited to show people like there is, there's many ways to write your goals. There's not one right way, but there are some wrong ways to do it. And so I'm excited to have a goal setting retreat for real estate investors
0: that is so cool. Do you have any top tips on that? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, one of my things I like to do is I like to write down everything as if it's already happened. So, even that very book that you hold in your hand, I wrote in my journal, I wrote I wrote a book with my name on the cover. And I wrote that months and months before I had a publishing deal, but I wrote it down as if it had already happened. And then, yourself, this is going to sound woo-woo, but then I imagine that it's happened, so much so that I'm even, like, giving gratitude, like, thanking the universe or God for allowing me to have this experience, and I'm imagining, like, what does it feel like to see, like, Amazon reviews coming in and have a book launch party and, you know, give my book as a gift and be introduced on podcast as an author, I imagined all of that. Like I actually closed my eyes and I pictured it happening and here I am.
0: I love that. There's so much to that, right? It's true. It really works. If you believe it and you can manifest stuff. I mean, it, it is woo woo, but I am a hundred percent. I totally believe that. That Thank you. That's real, That's great. That, that's really good advice, especially this time of year. I think so many people, you set a goal and then you put it on paper and just stick it in a or something and don't actually sit with it and visualize it and that's really cool to like to have a book that you like wrote down you're going to be an author I love <laughs> yeah
1: thank you thank you
0: so obviously you're do so many things but I just kind of want to set the table with I think for midterms I feel like are becoming trendy right there was like all about STRs now midterms are kind of getting out there, which I love. And I have my reasons why I love, I'd love to hear like kind of your top reasons for why you think they're a good strategy for investors.
1: Yeah. Well, for me personally, I loved furnished rentals because it meant more cash flow. So my my furnished rental, whether it be short term or medium term, was gonna put more cash in my pocket every month. And that was my goal. Um I meet a lot of investors who cash flow is their number one um objective, whether it be because they're later in life, it was not intentional. But a lot of my audience tends to be fifty five and older, because they see how quickly I went from a thousand dollars a month to ten thousand dollars a month in cash flow, and they're thinking, okay, I need that right now. Like time's ticking, and I don't have a lucrative. Retirement plan around the corner is what some of them tell me. And then I have others who come to me and say, I really need cash flow because I don't like my job and I want to get out of it as soon as possible. And so, whatever your reason for cash flow is usually how you end up in the furnished rental space. And then I personally am always traveling. And so, I could be hiking on a Tuesday or snorkeling on a Thursday. And I didn't really like the short-term rental host life. It was not predictable. And I would have clean – like I have a, a two – or I have three cleanings, a same-day turnover, and a unit getting photographed all today. And that was constant. Like that was happening – All the time when I had short-term rentals Um, right now, because I have medium-term rentals. I mean, some, one of these units that's turning over today, the reason it needs to be photographed is because we filled it before we got it professionally photographed. And then we have had a tenant in there every single day for seven months. Wow. So that's why I love medium term rentals is that was the easiest unit ever. I didn't even have to post professional photos. I got it furnished, filled, and it's been occupied for seven months and I'm finally photographing it today.
0: That's a dream. Yeah. No, that constant turnover. I mean, I was doing, I had a couple and it was like, I had a cleaner, I had a co-host. So I didn't, it was the mindshare it took up and the little things and the constantly, I'd go check on it and check the toilet paper level and the coffee and all the the high maintenance guests. And they'd, you know, come for one night and I'm like, God, oh, this is just this constant turnover and mindshare that it took up. Yeah. That's- the cash flow and the turn I mean yeah totally agree with all those reasons you kind of like you not set it and forget it but you get this like long period of a couple months where you don't hear from people right in my experience
1: I'm I'm the most at peace that I've ever been since deciding to become a real estate investor this is the most peace I've ever experienced (laughs)
0: Right. Cause when you are, I mean, you are you are I own I was kind of in my head, I'm like, am I a landlord or a host? Or you know, or it's like the kind of that one, I feel more like a host as a midterm. I'm not like the land like the evil landlord that's, you know. <laughs> so, um, but you're yeah, though so that's interesting. I think it's just so much easier. And maybe it's a little less cash flow, but that consistent income to be makes up for that and you can scale
1: that easier. Exactly. Um, Yeah, cash,
0: cash flow is king, right? What I love about you is you've got this right, left brain thing going on. Like, you're clearly very analytical and you're creative. And I think that's very rare. So... (laughs) It's really cool to see that. So I get asked a lot about underwriting for midterm. So I'd love to hear your ideas on that and how you kind of go about
1: it. Yeah, absolutely. So I run all of my deals as a long-term rental first. So I'm running them as a long-term rental and then I'm always asking myself, would this be sweeter as a medium-term rental? And for those investors out there, it doesn't mean that I always like the numbers as a long-term rental. I might not buy something as a long-term rental, but if it works as a medium-term rental, I may purchase it. And so the only three things that change from a long-term to a medium-term is upfront renovation costs. I include furnishings in that category on my calculator or spreadsheet, Mm -hmm. which I'm willing to share with your audience. So if they want my spreadsheet, it's nothing fancy, but I'm more than willing to share it. So we'll put that information in the, in the show notes. And I, I, Add furnishings to upfront renovations. I increase rent, which is the most exciting part of the whole equation. And then the other line that needs to increase is utilities and include landscaping. I see a lot of investors that forget to include landscaping, especially if they live in California and they invest in Iowa. Um, We get snow in Iowa. And so you have to account for that because it does cost money to remove snow, a lot of money sometimes. So those are the three things. You're going to add furniture, increase rent, and increase utility costs and, and include landscaping.
0: That's super helpful. So just to unpack that a little bit, are you saying this has to work as a long-term? Or... like it to
1: work as a long-term. It doesn't okay. have to be sexy. Like it doesn't have to be hundreds of dollars a month in cash flow, but I would like it to work as a long-term if push come to shove and for some reason the furnished rental space didn't work for that unit.
0: I love that because I feel like as investors, we're, we're always calculating risk, right? And you want you want all your plans, all your exits. What's the worst case? What's the best case,
1: right? Exactly. Like a... Well, and what I say is that like I'm risk adverse when it comes to investing because I didn't have a backup plan. I was not a high income earner. I'm single income. I'm single and single income. (laughs) And so I didn't have a backup plan. And so I really, really need my units to work. So what I've been doing most recently is I've been buying duplexes and one side is long-term and one side is medium-term. And that works for me. That's not going to work for every investor. Like if you're an investor in Phoenix, it's going to be hard to make a long-term rental work versus a medium-term rental is going to be great because of increase uh, increase rent. So again, that's just my experience. But here's the great thing is we live in a country where so many different rental strategies work in so many different markets.
0: I love that. That duplex thing, that's kind of my thing too. And then I always have that security of one side is going to pay the mortgage. Right? <laughs> it's like, I think it's especially starting out, right? If you're dipping your toe into it, you
1: know. Exactly. So, Absolutely agree.
0: Um, So I love your underwriting. I just want to unpack that a little bit like furnishing, right? I think everyone's biggest kind of pain point is like, how do you budget that? And it depends how scrappy you are, right? But do you have any kind of guidelines on costs
1: for that? Yeah, I'm. I'm seeing my one bedrooms are creeping up. I used to be able to furnish them for sixty five hundred, and they were beautiful with coffee table books. And, and this is not luxury. These are not luxury units, mm-hmm. uh, but these are above average. I was seeing sixty three to sixty five hundred. Unfortunately, it's costing me closer to seven thousand, even for a one bedroom apartment, one bedroom, one bath. The good news is, is that I can still do a two bedroom for about eighty three hundred. And then when you start talking about a house, like a three-bedroom, two-bath house with a living space and a dining space, um, even your floors, like the type of floors that you have are going to make a difference. If I have to put a $300 rug in every room, well, there's an extra $1,000. And so for a three-bedroom, two-bath, on the higher end, I'm spending 18000 Okay. And on the lower end, maybe I could do fifteen, But again... We know like through research and experience that the better you furnish your unit, the more booked you're going to be and for a higher rate. And so depending on if you're, especially if you're investing out of state, spend the money up front and furnish it really nicely the first time with durable, good decision pieces, good decor pieces, make good decisions. And you should yield more than if you were trying to skimp and save money.
0: And I love that. And I know I've heard you say this. I think design is what sets you apart, right? Because there are so Agreed. many. I mean, sometimes I'm like, did you did you even try when you've done that picture? It just makes me cringe. Um and design sells, right? We all want a comfortable place and
1: well and sometimes what I'm finding is it's not even that they're not trying. It's just that is like not where they thrive. Mm-hmm. and so it's really hard to be good at design that's why we pay interior designers what we pay them and it's why listings that are absolutely stunning really stand out it's because not everyone has an eye for this people just don't know
0: mm-hmm. yeah I, it's funny I feel like you either love it and i talk to people and they're like they hate the design like too many decisions I don't want to do it I'm like I love that part <laughs> that's why I love midterms like it's a play in that space but To your point, I think knowing and that that's an investment that will pay off, right? Like don't try and do it yourself if it's not your jam. Because to your point, it's, you're going to, in the long run, your numbers are going to suffer.
1: Absolutely.
0: I love that. My background's a designer, so I just love design. How are you coming up with like themes? Is it like based on the location or is it like more ubiquitous? Like midterms are just, you need like a workspace and like these things. I'm curious your approach on that.
1: Yeah. For the medium term rentals, most of, especially, um, I don't know if your listeners know, but I do own a company called Aria Design Services and we furnish, furnish rentals for investors. And the very first thing that we do is we look at your comparables. So we look at your competition in the area to get an idea of what we're working with. And obviously we always want to be better than our competition without breaking the bank. And so the difference I find between a medium-term rental and a short-term rental is that you don't need to go over the top. It wouldn't make sense. For example, there's a beautiful Airbnb in Phoenix where there's like a selfie station because they (laughs) cater to that demographic. And so that wouldn't make any sense in a medium-term rental. So you don't need to buy neon signs and backdrop and multiple mirrors and ring lights If you're going to cater to a medium-term rental tenant, that just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, However, what you, what you need to do is you need to have a beautifully designed space. I had a traveling nurse who was actually willing to live in a hotel for a couple of weeks until my unit came available. And my first question with my investor hat on was, well, why would you do that? Are there no other (laughs) midterm rentals in, in the area? And she said, no, 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 yours is just so beautifully decorated. And I've been a traveling nurse for a year and a half. And I'm so sick of living in dumping units. And so I think about that, like, would I want to live in this space for three months? And I am fully nomadic. I have been traveling full time for almost four years. It'll be four years next month, which is insane. (laughs) And so I have stayed in so many Airbnbs. So many, in so many different countries. And I could tell you, which there's some where I was like, I cannot wait to leave this Airbnb. Mm. There was one that had like basically almost neon painted walls and I was getting a headache. (laughs) I was like, I could not live here.
0: (laughs) Um, I love all that advice. I think it's like knowing your audience, right? And what what they're going to do. I mean, also the fact that you've been traveling, that's so cool for you. I mean, I bet that's just all the inspiration you get is is really (laughs) cool. That's so helpful. Just going back to the underwriting part again, the three things that you're doing furnishing, then, you know, I think people struggle with how much more do you charge on furnished versus furnished? So how do do you approach those kind of comps or coming up with that?
1: Yeah, I'm using furnishfinder.com forward slash stats, S-T-A-T-S, and really using that to kind of guide me on what my competition is charging. And at the beginning, I was charging a good $300 more than my competition because just as that nurse described it, my competition were dumpy units. Mm -hmm. And so it was easy for me to ask for $1,600 a month because the unit was beautiful. And then as time has gone on, I'm now up to $1,875 for a one-bedroom, one-bath in Omaha.
0: That's, Yeah. That's amazing. That's a really good resource, that stats thing. I think some people just don't know where to start. And so I think going there, you can see all the data. And I also, I think just testing it, like put it, put it out there, test it, right? You're not committing to that. See what the market will support. That's exactly my approach. So the price and then utilities. So if you're buying a property, maybe, you know, it's a a uh, climate that gets cold, do you just have like, you kind of like call utility companies or how do you figure out what your utilities are going to be if you've never like lived there?
1: Yep. So I'm asking my investor friendly agent while I'm under contract or even before I write an offer what he or she might think it, the utilities will be. And then once I go under contract, once I'm under contract on the property, that's when I call the utility companies.
0: Okay. And they'll give you ballpark kind of estimates on
1: that. Yeah. They'll, they'll give me the, the actual average on that unit.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. That's great. That's really cool. That's, yeah. People expect utilities to be included. That's something you just have to like bundle. Absolutely. Your... So that's really great. The underwriting thing. I think the next thing is you've designed this dream life, you know, being able to travel and you self manage and you have systems in place and you clearly have that dialed in. So I'd love to hear about your systems and how you make this work so smoothly. <laughs>
1: Um, oh gosh, it doesn't always feel very smooth. Let me be completely honest. <laughs> so, so I think the first thing to do is to have all of your messaging in a Google doc. So we actually, if you pick up the book 30 day stay, which I'm offering 10% off to your audience, if they use the promo code, Sarah, S A R A H, they'll get 10% off. Awesome. And inside the book, we actually have our messages that we send our guests. And so that's the first thing you need to do is like every time you message a guest about anything, even if it's answering how to use the Keurig or what's the Wi-Fi code, all of that should go into a file because eventually you might buy more than one furnished rental and then eventually you might hire someone to manage them for you. And so that's where I'm at. I own nine furnished rentals. I think sometimes people are surprised by that. It's it's actually... Frankly, it's not that many comparatively to other investors. I've interviewed people who own 20 or 30. Um, <laughs> but- and and for me, I really follow the idea of something that Chad Carson has, I think, coined is the small and mighty portfolio. So I don't need to own 50 furnished rentals to make the dollar amount that I needed to make. It, it happened with Frankly, it happened with like six. (laughs) Once Mm -hmm. I hit six units, I was like, all right, this is awesome. (laughs) So what I did and what I recommend everyone do is that every single thing you do gets recorded. So if you can't pay your utilities on auto pay, make a loom video, L-O-O-M, loom, and record how you pay your utilities. And then put that into a Google folder or a Dropbox because eventually you're going to hire a virtual assistant to pay your utilities for you if they're not on auto pay. Mm -hmm. So everything that I do, I record. So when someone messages me and I need to switch them units, so that's something sometimes I'll get requested in one unit, but it actually works better for both of us if they book in in another unit. Mm -hmm. I screen recorded how to do that inside of Airbnb. I screen recorded how I set them up. If they're not coming through Airbnb, how I set them up on a lease. Every single thing that I do gets recorded and put into a training folder even before I hired someone.
0: You're documenting everything and then you just everything do that. that's so brilliant because you're not scrambling when you finally are at the point you're like, I'm freaking out, I can't handle this. You just you've been doing it
1: all, oh yeah. And I'm so guys, I'm still freaking out and scrambling, like, <laughs> do not think that I have it all together. Um, I'm actually, it's funny, I'm a really organized person, but for anyone familiar with the disc D I S C, I am a like almost negative S and C, like, I am a high D, a high I which typically means that I would be very unorganized. But I think what it actually is, is I hate inefficiency so much that it makes me organized, but I'm not naturally an organized person. Like I don't enjoy spreadsheets. I don't enjoy following the rules. I don't enjoy step-by-step instructions. um, And I love efficiency so much that I just grin and bear it and I do these things to be organized because otherwise you're not running a business. You're just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. That's not a business.
0: Yeah, and I think technology has come so far in enabling us. I mean, like absolutely God, like the software for management and Loom Video, I mean, it's just, it's so easy, right, to do that. You're doing it anyway, just document it. Takes Take the take, yes. stop, document it. I love that. Exactly. So obviously yeah that's really helpful because I think as you know a solopreneur sometimes you're like I don't want to stop and document I'm doing it myself what's the point but you do reach a point or and yeah, I think it's good to set up the stuff knowing that you will have a team in the future like your software set it up do you have any favorite software you're using for getting rent and all that fun stuff
1: yes so i'm using if they're booking off of airbnb meaning i found them through furnish finder or facebook marketplace or word of mouth then i am writing their lease through avail a v a i l dot c o um, I also have a link for that. I have a link for everything you guys, um, and hashtag ads. No, totally. <laughs> and, uh, and I put them in a veil and their leases through there. I click security deposit through there. I collect an $800 security deposit for my $1,800 a month units. I click security deposit right away. Mm-hmm. Then I collect first month's rent a few days before move in. That's key. Do not wait until the first day. Then they'll say something happened and, well, you've already given them the key code and they're already in your unit. So collect rent. I collect rent through a veil. I have them submit all tenant maintenance requests through a veil. You want everything documented. So I do all of that through a veil. If they book through Airbnb, Then when I just had one unit, I actually just used the scheduled messages within Airbnb. Once I got to nine listings through Airbnb, I did switch to hospitable. And I have all of my automated messages go through hospitable. Hospitable also allows you to set up like robo messages. So if they say Wi-Fi, you say password. <laughs> if they say bicycle, you say, I don't have a bicycle. Whatever it is, it's all a robot. So that takes a lot of time to set up. Again, I don't think it's worth it if you have one unit. I really don't. Um, but now that I have so many, it does make a lot of sense. Um, and I love it. It's a really great way to schedule your cleaners. That's the one thing that if you're going to just use Airbnb, you're you're not going to communicate with your cleaners aside from like an iCal calendar share. But with a with hospitable, your cleaners get reminders. Your cleaners get automated messages. You're not having to communicate with your cleaners as much because hospitable is handling that for you. Um, what other technology am I using? Lots of Google Drive. Just so much, so much lives inside <laughs> Google Drive.
0: Right, my brain is in there. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's just downloaded. Um. I love that. Yeah. I think a lot of times, even if you're just starting out, get your software, don't, don't get a rent check and just, just get a system. They're, they're pretty much free and it just makes your life so much easier. And then you can scale. I think if you have that software, it's easy to add one more unit versus, you know, getting some paper form, scanning it in, doing docu all the things, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I am curious. I think in my mind, I always thought of like hospitable as more, you know, or those kind of, um. Uh, those services more for STRs, but you're leveraging them for midterms, which I I haven't heard.
1: Yeah, because um, what happened, gosh, probably it's December, probably about six months ago, um, I saw a huge uptick in Airbnb bookings, even for my medium term. I used to be probably 70% through Furnish Finder. And it just didn't make sense to use a hospitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the the tables turned, and now I'm almost seventy percent booked off Airbnb, and then only thirty percent from elsewhere.
0: Interesting. Yeah, things fluctuate, right? Yeah, I love that you're setting all those systems up and you're automating because most of the questions you're you're not just getting them once, and if I feel like. Oh. If you have very clear like I call them house notes and I document when the garbage goes out and how to turn the power on and I, I don't hear from guests usually they just self check in and I, they're just good. Yeah, If you do all that stuff, it's it's kind of upfront homework, but it's so valuable. I think it's just the clearer you can be. And then guests kind of have a good experience too, knowing what yes. you
1: expect. Well, and the other thing that I started doing, and I, I actually, I should probably message my guests and ask them if this is annoying or helpful, <laughs> but we have reminders when trash day is because um, our medium term tenants do take the trash can to the curb. And so that message goes out every week. Every other week is recycling. So that message goes out. And then I also have like nice little messages. So like before they check in, of course, it's all the housekeeping items. But then the day after they move in, I'm giving them breakfast recommendations, telling them my favorite coffee shop, what to order, giving them recommendations. And people almost always respond to that, even just with with a quick thanks. I mean, I would love that. You show up in a new city, especially like a Omaha. Like I didn't know that Omaha, Nebraska had all of these trendy, kitschy coffee shops all over town. I would have probably just like opened my phone, looked up Starbucks or scooters and gone there. Cause I wouldn't have known that there's adorable coffee shops all up and down the street. And one of them is a six minute walk from my MTR
0: that's so thoughtful and a lot of times these if you're you know you get nurses they literally have driven like for days all night and they just they're landing there they've never been to the city or or to the west coast in my case sometimes it's like their first experience and that those thoughtful details I think go so far it's funny that you mentioned garbage though because I've had a couple tenants be like well who puts the trash out I'm like well You know, like, or they forget or they didn't sort it right. That's why, that's why the
1: messages came about is just setting expectations because it doesn't feel very good when they say who puts the trash out and you have to respond, you do. (laughs) (laughs) They just set that expectation from the beginning and then it's not as awkward.
0: Exactly. Yeah. All those things. Cause it's just like, yeah, I've had this two people had trash situation. I'm like this is and you get these little like uh, trends and but then you document it and it's not an issue right but I love how detailed that is from the trash day you know what day is it to like hey here's a place to get some great coffee like it just it's very thoughtful and I think it's taking some of the STR kind of short-term strategy to the midterm like that hosting experience yes
1: Because that's the other thing is that I think a lot of times we're so I mean, this is anyone with anything is we're so single minded, because you're thinking, what do I got to do? What's the next thing I have to do? But like, I encourage everyone, like, take a minute and think about what it's going to be like to stay in your unit. And I tell everyone this one, like tying it back to design is walk into your unit. And what is the very first thing that you see? Like sometimes I'd actually just helped a friend. She sent over her photos of her unit before she got it professionally photographed. And we actually ended up rearranging the room because I thought like the moment you step in, the first thing you're seeing is this TV and a blank wall. I was like, let's just switch up the room so that the first thing they see is this beautiful artwork and this great accent chair that you purchase with a cool pillow. And she was like, wow, I would have never thought of that. (laughs)
0: I love that because it sets the tone, right? So their whole experience is like if you walk in, you're like, oh, look at that chair. It's just this vibe, right? It's maybe intangible versus oh, there's a TV. Like eh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so funny what, what people what guests point out. I recently had a guest inquire on Airbnb. This was just a few days ago actually. And it it's not the most convenient for me. I would rather he book in the unit below because of the timing. Mm -hmm. but he was like, Oh, he's like, to be honest, I really like this unit. He's like, it sounds really silly, but I was a math teacher before I became a nurse. And that cool Einstein painting that you have like sealed the deal for me. And I wrote back like, Oh my gosh, I love it. The unit's yours. Like forget. I even asked to switch you like that's So cool. Um, and so people will get interested in your unit or even attached to something that you would have never thought of um the einstein painting is very cool though i will say
0: (laughs) i love that and that kind of speaks to being a little bit um i don't know if quirky is the right word but some personality right storytelling not just like everything ikea and online and which actually is a question i wanted to ask you do you try and incorporate some local stuff local flavor or how you know but being mindful of, like efficiency, right? Like, I'm curious how you kind of approach that, yeah.
1: i I really don't love what what did someone say the other day? Someone was like, oh, yeah, they're bringing the outside inside. Like when you <laughs> walk into like a cabin and there's just mountains and bears, and it says, like mountains are calling everywhere or like a beach house, and there's just seashells everywhere That is so not my vibe. I'm not interested. That does not attract me. So I very hesitantly say, yes, I like to do something local, but tastefully Mm -hmm. like I am not going to put a giant cursive Nashville on a wall in Nashville, (laughs) but am I going to put a really cool painting of Bob Dylan? Yeah. Like that's cool. Like something that tastefully speaks to the area. Absolutely. I think it's wonderful. Um, But if I see like live, laugh, love, or mountains are calling on your wall, I'm out.
0: (laughs) I can so relate. (laughs) Home sweet home. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. No, it's funny because one of the first... It wasn't, it was an S an tier, and then it went midterm, but it was our office. And I I just went super quirky. I went thrift store hunting and I'm like, this is my weird Portland style. That's the one I get the most feedback. I'm like, and I'm like, it's quirky. It is like vintage stuff, a typewriter. And I, I just, that's the one where people like, I get the most kind of like, I love that style. And it, it was kind of shocking because I thought who would, you know, who's going to go for that. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I love that kind of hinting at that tastefully because you don't want to hit someone over the head with that.
1: Yeah. And I do think, I mean, you need to choose a design aesthetic that makes sense for your unit. Um, And so in one of my units, I have these like vintage suitcases that are set on top of each other um, and used as the nightstand. And so it wouldn't have made sense if the rest of the unit was, you know, modern. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thoughtfully integrating pieces that are different. And, and sometimes the reality is, is that I had three units to furnish in like two and a half weekends and some of the stuff that I had to put in the unit just, I mean, wouldn't have been if I had months to curate, right? And so sometimes like you, everyone know that like when I'm speaking to you guys, like everyone's situation is going to be different. Sometimes you just got to furnish a place and it's as good as it's going to get which happens to be the phrase that I say every day to myself when I'm done doing my makeup.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. You just, yeah. I think I heard you say this too. You get it under contract and you get those tenants in there right away. You're not giving yourself yeah. 30 days like of down. I mean, my quickest oh, it yeah. was like 24 hours. I got the everything, handed the keys. And I was, I think people don't know they can do that, right? They think they have to have this perfect thing and you don't. Done right.
1: is better than perfect. Like right. if you go to my website, there's going to be a typo. I'm not <laughs> proud of that. I don't love that there's a typo. However, if I spent all my time making sure that every single thing that I did was perfect, I wouldn't get to serve the real estate community the way that I want to.
0: But that's so true. And I think just accepting that and you can always improve it and and change things. Well, I love the whole topic of design. I have to ask, are there any and the design for anything mistakes that people make or may think they get hung up on when they're doing it themselves. And maybe they just shouldn't do it if they're not. It's not their jam, I guess. So,
1: um uh, that's a great question. I mean, I just had a, a client, so I offer one-on-one coaching. And one of my clients, she's amazing. And she listed her unit on Furnish Finder just to see if she would get inquiries. And she put different photos and said in the description, these are not the photos, the units being furnished. And someone inquired and wanted to move in like six days later. She had not bought anything. And she looked at her husband and she was like, okay, it's go time. And they had the thing cleaned, furnished, and photographed in four days. Yeah. And it took like all four days. Like we're talking, she probably, you know, is there six in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Um, but it can be done. Like, is it exactly the way she wants it to look? Absolutely not. Like, could she get the rug that she wanted? Nope, but it, she got it done. And I think that is a really good story to tell because I think a lot of people are like, Oh, the couch doesn't come in for three weeks. Guess I can't do anything. It's like, no, you could go to a local furniture store in your area and buy a couch today.
0: It's so true, yeah. Or go to Facebook Marketplace, yeah. My yeah. last thing was three days, and I some bed wasn't arriving, so I had my furniture delivery guy assemble. I'm like, I'm gonna ask if they'll, and they did it. You know, they charged me. <laughs> I think it goes back to mindset, right? Everything's figure outable, and yeah. you know, <laughs> you'll get. It. I had my kids over there it was ten o'clock at night. <laughs> We're hanging artwork. I guess I like the challenge, so to me, that's kind of fun, right? Nothing like me a deadline. too. <laughs> I just want to stress, too, I think design is is so important. It makes you really stand out. Obviously, you believe that, too. And I love that you started a design company. Was that hard to do or was it just to feel like the natural next step in your kind of entrepreneurial journey?
1: Both. It was hard to do and the people were asking for it. And I'm not one to leave money on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's fun. Like this is the only business that I have a business partner with and I adore her. Like I love working with her. And so like how fun to get to work with someone that you admire, respect and enjoy. And we both have really complimentary skill sets and our clients love working with us because like she's definitely like the yin to my yang and we have so much fun. And it's not it's not the end of our world. Like we care really deeply about our clients so much so that if we can't serve someone, we won't take the job. And I think that that's really cool to work with someone that's like not in it for just the money. Mm -hmm. Cause otherwise we would have killed ourselves this year and we would have taken on probably an additional 20 clients, but instead we've furnished 37 units in 12 different States and it was fun.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. And that's when you get to do what you love, right? That's just magic. I and love
1: then- when I'm at World Market and I have just like three or four shopping carts full, which also World Market shopping carts are the smallest <laughs> shopping carts ever. So doesn't make any sense. But, you know, I have four of them. So I'm like pulling them up to the register, running to the other side of the store, getting <sighs> the next one. Whole- And everyone's like, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I furnish Airbnbs. People are like, oh my God, that's like a dream job. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, it was my dream job. (laughs) (laughs) I dreamed it up.
0: (laughs) You made it happen, yeah. There's some magic about even like when you're staging it to sell it, right? Even if it's got all the high-end finishes, that when you put furnishing in there, it just it comes to life in a way that like nothing else. Like you can have the prettiest fixtures, but I don't know that magic. I, every time I get excited.
1: Yeah, I think now I'm 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 less thrilled about the pillows. I'm kind of over the <laughs> the p- pillow choosing, and I'm so excited for my clients when they message me. Like, the one I just told you about, she was like, oh, my God, we got $2,500. And before, she was renting her unit for $1,100. Unfurnished. Yeah. Like, that is so exciting because now I know my clients intimately. And I know that that money is going to make a huge difference in their life. And then I have another client, one of my absolute, I'm not supposed to have favorite clients, but he's one of my favorite (laughs) clients. My business partner and I actually flew out and designed this unit in person. And he told us, he said, my goal is to retire my wife. She was working at a, at a school. And he actually was able to tell me at BPCon, at the bigger pockets conference that Alyssa's last day had been that week. And she's now managing their furnished rentals. And I just think, oh, my gosh, we are so lucky to do what we do. I
0: mean it's really game changing and you're impacting people's lives and, and and you know from both sides right as as the as the housing provider and as the best coming I, I love real estate well, I want to be mindful of time and I, I ask you like a million questions. Um, <laughs> one more question on furnishing how involved are you? you have so many balls in the air
1: less and less as time goes on. so I have an incredible team. I now like you said at the beginning, I'm running three different businesses. So I not only have Aria Design Services where we will furnish your Airbnb for you or your MTR for you, but then I also have this company called Invested Adventures. And this came about because people were saying, oh my gosh, it's so cool that you travel. I want to travel. And then I'd get on the phone with them. I'd tell them all my tricks, all my you know travel hacking, credit card hacking, all the things. And then they wouldn't buy a plane ticket. And I'd be like, what is going on? Like what? And so I reached back out to them and I said, if I planned a trip for real estate investors, would you come? And when I first asked the first group that I like hand selected, there was 11 of them and nine of the 11 said yes. And the only reason the other two didn't was because of pregnancies. And so I was like, okay, I'm on to something. I know I'm on to something. And people are craving connection and community. And so pair that with like an epic adventure of like hiking Patagonia or whatever it might be. And in 2022, we did five trips. And 2023, I already have three trips that are announced and sold out. And then I'm actually announcing my fourth trip this week.
0: That that just that connection and community. I mean, that's where it's at, right? Especially coming off of COVID and all this the turbulence we've been in.
1: Well, and not only COVID, I mean, you're exactly right. People are feeling lonelier than ever, but also because we have chosen to be weirdos who want passive income, freedom, we want to quit our jobs, be our own boss that's not normal. Like we are not normal. What is normal is to like be quiet and go to work and be a good girl and be an employee and do what your boss says, put money in your pension and hope for the best. Like that's normal. We're not normal. We own more houses than anyone that we know. And, and we love it. That makes us even weirder. And so, so that's why I think real estate investors, particularly are very lonely. I think anyone that chooses like the financial independent fire, financial independent retire early, I think anyone that chooses that is making an announcement, even if it's quietly, that they are different than their peers
0: truth to that you know I used to hide that I was a landlord I was like people are going to judge me I'm evil and it was very kind of it was hard it was very isolating and yeah it is not the normal path and people think oh you own multiple properties they don't understand the risk and the time and the stress
1: (laughs) well and and that the money's all tied up it's like we're not we're not rich (laughs) yet Yet,
0: <laughs> right. But then to connect with other people that get it, that get that you're a DIY, that it's just it's so you're like, oh, I'm not the only weirdo out there doing this. <laughs> like-
1: well, and you just learn so much by hanging out with other investors, and it also will help the people who are scared. I was scared. I had no backup plan. Like I don't come from money. I had no plan B. Like it was like this had to work. And it wasn't until I surrounded myself with real estate investors that I was like, okay, like I can, I can do this. I know I'm not crazy. I've ran the numbers backwards and four forwards. I know this is a good deal. I just got to do it. And, and then I love it. Even when I started growing my portfolio to where it's at now, someone said, well, what if you lost it all? I mean, I, just buy more real right. estate, <laughs> totally. and then buy smarter. <laughs> and so, like we know, we're not crazy, but that doesn't that doesn't tell our friends and family that we're not crazy. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that's where the trips are so important. So, I'm really excited. You actually will be the first to get to announce my trip because of this podcast. I am taking investors on an eight day African safari. Followed by an eight-day Kilimanjaro hike. The hike is optional. Hike Non-hikers out there, don't worry. You can just do the safari or just do the hike. But I have a couple, I have two people that are doing both, including me, maybe. We'll see if I can, I need a train for this. <laughs> I will do the safari. Um, But yeah, I'm so excited because now I'm able to pair not just trips. Like, it's cool that we can, you know, go the Smoky Mountains, Rent cabin talk about our goals but now we're going on bucket list adventures and it's all a business trip it's all a write off
0: that's that's brilliant yeah but going on that and being around those people is so inspiring that it and so many levels you come back and you're just i can't imagine oh, how you feel. I
1: I could all I've, I've had 5 trips this year and I could write a book about the people that I've attended I have two investors who came to my trip January 2022. They are now partnering on a burr, and someone else in their group is their private lender.
0: That that connection. Uh That's amazing, and I think also. I just, as entrepreneurs, it's hard to stop and take the time to do something like that because you feel like I always, at least I, I need to be productive all the time. But by doing that, look what you accomplish, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. And then another two girls, they came to my event in June of 2021, and one of them had the goal of quitting her job. The other one had a goal of hiring an assistant. So guess what? She's hiring her. Oh my God, that's. There's a book in there, right? You know yeah, it's so cool. Like is- i I really, I mean, I get moved to tears that, like this is what I get to do for a living.
0: That, yeah, those connections. and you are changing lives, right? I mean, what other industry can say they're impacting people like that? Well, you just let into one of my questions. How can people like find you and check out your amazing trips and, you know, coach with you and, you to furnish their (laughs) (laughs) place. Absolutely.
1: I would love to hear from your listeners. So please reach out. I really do read all of my DMS. So the best place to reach me is Instagram, just like any good millennial. So you can find me at Sarah D Weaver on Instagram. And then my website is also the same thing. Sarah D and if anyone really is interested on in going on a trip, please let me know immediately. All of my events have been selling out. And so I'm really excited to have one of your listeners come join us.
0: I feel honored that you I <laughs> got to announce it here. Um, so also there's a couple of questions I just like to ask. Everyone has really original advice. What is like your top business or life advice that you would give someone to kind of live life on their own terms like you have done so well?
1: Yes. Um, Two words, don't wait. If there is a business that you've been wanting to start, don't wait until you have the perfect website or the perfect logo. None of my businesses had names before I got clients. I just saw a need and said, oh, I could do that. And so Aria Design, I think we served five or six clients before we ever had a name. And we served 10 clients before we ever had a website. And we still don't have a logo. So if someone wants to make our logo, (laughs) let me know. So just stuff like that. Like, I think people, they wait, they wait too long. So don't wait. And that goes with your personal life. If there is something that you want to do, buy the plane ticket, go on that long drive. If there's someone in your life that you love, tell them, don't wait. That is my advice. Don't wait.
0: I love that. That is, that's so true. Next question, your superpower.
1: My superpower is connection. So I originally uh, initially thought it was just being connected with people. I can meet a girl on a two hour bus ride and then two weeks later fly to Taiwan and she's showing me her hometown. (laughs) That's a true story. (laughs) So I'm really good at connecting with people really quickly as well but also connecting people with each other. So like those two stories that I told are just two examples of probably a hundred of where I've connected people. I truly love people. I think anyone that has contact with me like can tell that I just really like people.
0: I love that. And that is all about connection, right? As humans, that's what it's about. Obviously you just published a book, you know, plug your book, any other resources that you'd recommend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What I love about the book is it's really a book where you could pick up and you could skip to chapter on furnishing, or you could skip to the chapter on analyzing. I'm so honored that people are reading it cover to cover. That's obviously how it was intended to be read. And you can really pick it up and it's meant to be a resource. So I already mentioned that the messages that we send our guests are in the book. The questions that I ask when I check a reference on a tenant, those are in the book we really dug really deep into the details. And so some of the chapters you can probably, if you already are an expert at analyzing, just skip that chapter. But if you are like, no, I really could use some help on that. We break it down, make it as easy to consume as possible. And then there's a lot of fun stories about travel. And my co-author, Ziana, has been co-hosting up to 60 units around the world. So she's got a lot of stories. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I can attest. It's it's really engaging. And it's so actionable, too. It's just it's a really great read. It's like a Bible. If you want to get into midterms, so definitely check it out.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think for me, mindset is such a strong part of my story. And so I do weave that into the book.
0: Yeah, I think mindset. I mean, this business is there's a lot of risk, right, calculated, but you have that's so critical because you can really get caught in your head just not take that action. Well Sarah, this has been like such a treat. I'm I'm so honored and thank you for your time. Is there anything else you would like want to add before we sign off?
1: <laughs> I want to ask you like what what's your advice because you get a you get to interview people and you've been doing this for a while. What's your advice to the listeners after the conversation that we've had?
0: Yeah, I think what resonates with me and the theme I've been hearing is take the action, take the massive action, you're going to figure it out, right? Like it is just, it's scary and overwhelming, but if you don't take the action, you're not going to figure it out. And it's real easy to get caught up in analysis paralysis. I think the action part, and it's, it's like leap of faith, but it's all, it's figure outable. So I think you're echoing what other really successful people, <laughs> it's a real theme. So <laughs> yeah, great question. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I think the more you talk to experienced real estate investors, it's like, oh, hun, we've all learned from like, (laughs) there's been tears on the bathroom floor and wanting to scream at our phone when we have an annoying guest. Like, it's all there. And we're still really glad we invest.
0: Yeah it's the long game right there's those things but then they make a great story your worst situation is like the best story right
1: absolutely
0: <laughs> well thank you so much for your time i so appreciate it thank you so much for listening i hope you found it valuable please take a minute to hit the subscribe or follow button it really helps other people find us and share it with a wider audience we also appreciate five-star reviews also please take a screenshot and tag us on your favorite social platform we're at cedar and porch the show was brought to you by the Midterm Rental Playbook course, your blueprint to setting up a successful midterm rental. Learn more at the midterm rental playbook.com link in the show notes.